for all the dreamers out there, none of these numbers are absolute. Because you can't do this, you still you can't, can't do, do that. Yeah, yeah. It's just something that... Yeah, it's a very, very good way to pull yourself forward and to see, like, these are ideals. You might go past the ideal and not make it happen. And you might be under the ideal and make it happen. And I would even argue Javen's a good example of, like, he wasn't as strong as Nick. Now... What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Garage Strength Podcast. And I'm here with my three-time co-author, world champion, co-author of the year, Earl Kunkel. Earl, how are you? I'm doing swell today. Very swell. What What made your day so swell? Um, I was, I was, took a poop <laughs> and I went, washed my hands and was looking at myself in the mirror and I decided I'm not cutting my hair again. And I was like, it's at a nice like spinach length, as I call it. So like when I put on a, like a cap, like it kind of almost covers my full ears at this point. And like I'm get, I have like a little curl at the end, and it's starting to come through. And I got a little cheddar going on, and it's just like, all right. So that's what made your your whole day great. Yeah, just seeing my like hair minimal growth. And I don't know flesh. what that's like. Yeah, it's all right. It's it's not all that cracked up to be, but like it just brought a little smile on my face. I was like, oh, I'm happy about this. That's good. I enjoyed eating my lunch today. Put it in the microwave, heat it. So up. you're very clear on what makes you happy. Pretty like often, do you yeah. do you acknowledge that in the moment? Like this makes me I'm happy from this. Oh, I love doing this because I like. I don't think it's a secret. Like I, I have a a job. And I work this too. And this is like a big labor of love for me too. Now, don't get it twisted. Like I get compensated, but like I don't ever complain about having to do this job. No, I mean actually waking up and being, or doing something in your day. Like do you do you go through your day and you're like, that made me happy. I oh yeah, I have a few things. I have things planted in my day that I do, I know will make me happy. Yeah. Like I will play my banjo every single day, even if it's for three minutes. Because I know those three minutes, I will enjoy what I'm doing no matter what's going on. Right. Um, I will draw and color every day because I know for that five to 20 minutes sometimes, whatever I can fit, I'm going to get in a meditative flow yeah, as I'm go. doing it. And I'll just, me and the page and what I'm creating there. And I will exercise for an hour or two periodically based off like the program and how it's going because it will mentally like it's great for me it's like a straight reset yeah well like so i've been talking to you about yoga and how you need to go do hot yoga with me one of these days um they talk about it a moving meditation oh yeah yeah and yeah. i love that thought and like this may sound silly but i'm getting to the point when i hit shavasana i can get in like a I can get into a euphoric state where I can feel my, and this is going to sound crazy, but I like, I, I don't can think do it will to anybody who's done sports or, or even meditate. Like I'll lay in that Shavasana pose. And like, I just spent an hour in 115 degree, like sauna, not a sauna sauna, but like it's hot Yeah, moving, stretching, holding planks, like it doing something athletic. And I can feel the sound waves from the music they have coming out of the speaker vibrate through my heart and my veins 
and I can feel it like almost like ripple, like if you were watching a screensaver. Yeah, yeah. And I could I could compare it to something else, but I'll tell you about that. I'm not gonna like say it on here. It's almost like it's a euphoric state. Let's put it that way. Like, you know, it, it has that feel. It's to a it. massive surge of brain derived nootropic factors. Yes, is what it is without question. And I'm getting to the point now. I can do it almost every single practice. So I actually think in leading into to. to to today's podcast i actually think what you're experiencing like that's a magnified example i think kids when they start to train when they start to strength train they'll have like that first like four or five weeks that are hard and the kids that really take to it are the kids that have a larger surge of bdnf after like a resistance-based bout or whatever they're doing some lifting there there and that is what hooks people into lifting at a young age yeah. because they've never really had that experience and they don't even know a normal person wouldn't even be able to describe if they've never experienced that through psychedelics or through exercise or through some crazy competitive bout or music music reading anything going for a long walk if you have never done those things it's hard to really describe that and i think that i actually believe that kids at a young age experience that and they don't they can't put a yeah it's it. just um it's like i like this it's more primordial yeah yeah like, yeah and i think that's what it means. they don't have the linguistic skills yet to like wrap their or head even around the it. experience and like that. i'm essentially talking about something i've been experiencing now for i wasn't it wasn't happening when i first started doing it again mm -hmm. like i had got in there when i used to do it like years ago constantly i was getting to that point and now i'm there again and it's it's like oh your body it's I don't want to say a muscle memory, but it's remembering how to do it right. and like better at it. Um, it's, it's just cool. Like, it's just like, all right, I'm in my meditative place now. This is wonderful. Like, right. Right. Feels good. Yeah. Feels real good. And like, it's, I would compare it to a runner's high, but the come down's nowhere near as bad. I've hit runner highs where I, I swear it feels like you have the bends when it comes down and oh, yeah. it's just like yeah. awful. Yeah. As not someone who has done hard drugs but still like what i imagine it's like oh like my stomach hurts like i get a headache and it i don't know you if feel you've like ever blacked out yeah, yeah i don't know if you've ever had a runner's yeah, yeah. high like that no, where you, you come down off of it yeah. and, it's just and, like, if, and the more dehydrated i am the harder it is yeah yeah i remember that running hill sprints with someone a, a female cross-country athlete who was like top 20 state finisher like could run like a sub 16 5k like something 15 like something ridiculous yeah. like i couldn't even like in my mind i couldn't process how to go that fast for that long yeah like i'm sure i could figure it out if i put years to it but like it's just not in my like thought more like i could think about more like hell oh, how to be a d1 football player or something like that like how to be strong enough to do that like i could see going into the weight room and being like, all right, I know I need to be able to push that guy around. And like, say like I'm, I'm in there yeah, and I see the it's coach. It's easier to quantify yeah. when you see an individual and you start to think about what would happen when I make contact. Yeah, like you could see that. For, if you're good at that. Yeah, Whereas you, she might have gone into that and been like, I don't, like if she played field hockey or something, she yeah. might have been like, I have no idea how people swing this club, run that fast, and then go hit somebody with the club. Yeah, well, that's like I sent you that video of that one uh female swinging the golf club and which one was it Wait, it was a, like a, it was i saw it on a uh, twitter i sent it to you i have to look and i was just amazed at the hip speed oh yes when, yes yeah, yeah how the hip yeah. would just come around and the club was like so far behind but yeah. it would catch up and just 
whack. It's I was like a like, slingshot. And I was just imagining like someone throwing a punch with a hip like that. And it yeah. was like, ow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like say, I don't know. I saw some kid, he might've been fifth grade and he was probably younger the way he looked like doing curls with like, you know, five kilo bar, like just starting lifting down there. And like, I can imagine that kid looking at everyone and going and seeing some of like the D one athletes there watching the YouTube channel, knowing like who's been through here has achieved that has had success at that level and trying to realize, well, how do I get there? What's the journey? What, what's the way to make that happen? And like saying, one of the first things you do is like, you look at someone, we'll say like Taman, cause Taman's a big guy, right? Yeah. He's thick too. It's like, all right. Like Taman has like an, an, uh, I want to say an undersized O lineman NFL body, right? Cause Maybe he's a like little D tackle would be yeah. probably D tackle. And it'd be like, how do I push that person? Yeah. Like, how do I have the strength to not let that person move me if, like, I'm going to be a running back? Or even if you're going to be a lineman, like, how am I going to do that? What do I need to do? Like, what needs to be on that barbell? Yeah. Like, right now, I'm just holding a five-pound bar. Yeah, and in the future, I might encounter this individual. Yeah. You know, this how do, theoretical how do I get individual. There? Because, you know, like, with youth sports, especially football like eight year olds, 10 year olds playing, they put a weight limit on it. Yeah. They like, they don't prepare them but for what you're in junior football high, is. Basically. Like, yeah. it's like, yo, if you're over 130 pounds, you can't play in this league. It's like, that's not football at all. Yeah. Football is all about how big you are and how fast you can go. Like yeah. if you don't want to get hit by the big guy, you better be way faster than him. And it's, I think, I think that's where you look at. And, and this goes into the, the discussion around like what makes you happy. I think, I think what I see is that's where it's it's clarification on what are those steps to get to that point. And from the strength coach's perspective, what are the steps to get that Johnny or whoever, you know, that kid who's in sixth Chuck. grade. Yeah, let's call him <laughs> Chucky Balls or something. <laughs> I'm actually thinking that because there's a kid down there that I call Chucker Balls. Chucker Balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't it fun giving kids nicknames? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> like, it's just... And you don't and know they why they take yeah. to him too. It's so funny, but it, it, you say, and you go, all right, actually with Chuck, he's going to, he's a D two football player. Okay. And it's like, oh, he's going D two. Now he was all state last year as a senior in high school. It's like, so he's, he's legit all yeah. state. You're pretty legit. Yes, like, for sure. And he's in the PSAC good D one of the best D two conferences. Very, very solid program. He's going to, it's like, all right, what did, what did it take? Chuck started here after eighth grade. And as a coach, it's like, all right, if we can clarify those steps along the way, but also know you're very far off and then recognize for him, you know, how can we make him happy coming into the gym consistently? I guess that's also where I was thinking about the BDNF with a kid at a young age. The example yeah, yeah. That you were providing then it sort of falls in line where it's like this kid's in fifth or sixth grade or seventh grade. How can we you know, trigger him to continue to come in here and enjoy it, but also get him along the, the way to try and notch to, to hit these notches of like, all right, now, now I just made the JV roster. I'm in seventh grade and these lifts got me to the JV squad. Now I'm in eighth grade. Oh, these lifts, I could actually probably play varsity football. Oh, now I'm in 10th grade. Oh, now these lifts got me a D3 spot, you know? And it's like thinking through that the that lens of how do we communicate that optimally and also how do we figure that out yeah or something like when i could single leg squat 100 kilos on each leg for three reps unbroken i tested my 40 and, and it was like i don't know five one four nine something yeah. like that um 
when I was able to, like two years from there, I was able to hit 125, 130 for, for double, triple, triple. I also put 20 pounds on and I'm running a four, seven, five now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm starting to like, I can process logically like, Hey, my legs are getting stronger. I'm getting faster, even though I'm putting on weight right. and increasing my wobble, if you will. Yeah. yeah. I, I can handle it though. I can handle it. I'm playing football yeah, and, I'm and adapting then, to that. Well, and then maybe you end up being a freak or something like that. Yeah. And there's 150. And you're smashing that. And you're smashing it for five. And all of a sudden you're running sub four fives. And then you're meeting Taman in the hole and it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like it doesn't matter. One, you can't catch me. And two And two, I'm going so fast that I'll bring it. I feel like like I'm a cannonball. Like yeah. literally, like it's a ball you are the bowling pin and right. I am the bowling ball <laughs> and I'm coming for you. Yeah. And like in high school when that happens, because like that's the one thing that is bad about high school. Sometimes the disparity it's is so it's through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's just like, I don't want to say I feel bad, but like, you feel bad. Like that's going to hurt. Maybe not in the moment, but after a game, you're like, man, like, those kids, like they shouldn't have been playing. Yeah. It, it's, they shouldn't have been there. It's like, I was listening. I, some po I was listening to, I think talking like NFL players talking and they're like someone like sent a question and like, I think I could tackle Derrick Henry like five times or something in a hundred attempts in like a drill. And they're like, no, yeah, there's no chance. <laughs> You'd have to hope he trips over you or something. Yeah. Like, it's just like when, when you actually get right up close to it, watch it, deal with it. I remember being a kid going to Pittsburgh for a football camp. And I think it was Kevin Barlow. It was, yeah, yeah. and yeah. he was there and I was just like, he's a running back. Yeah. I mean, he was like six four, and he was just a slab of muscle, yeah. and like just thick. And I was like, I couldn't like, it to me looked like he was a D end or like you linebacker or something. Right. And it's like that's who you'd have to tackle. Yeah, and and he he was good, but he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't Derrick Henry. Yeah, I think that's where I mean, getting into that, I think that's where it's like if you look at what that takes. And you have a perception of the notch along the way, like going to JV, going to varsity, going to D3, going to D2. You start to have a little bit more sense of reality of what your capability can potentially be. You know, and ideally you don't limit yourself, but you also have reality. Like, yeah, like this is where I'm probably limited to. It helps to be 6263 versus yeah. 58510. It doesn't say it can't happen. Like, but you, there's plenty of people out there who made it happen. Yeah. But you need to be exceptional then in a certain regard. All right, I'm undersized, but I run a four three. That's okay. Like, okay, we can work with that. Right. right. All right. I'm a little slow, but like I weigh three twenty and I'm six seven. Yeah, like, that's okay. Uh, okay, we can, like we can do that. You it, know, it's, it, it's hard to get around you. Yeah. There, there's a lot of football. As much as it rewards like being strong and fast, it's also a sport that rewards many different body types. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like we're talking about like okay, you do this single leg squat, you're this fast. Well, maybe you know you're six two, you're about three hundred pounds, and you front squat close to six hundred pounds. Right, right. That's different then. Yeah. yeah. Now you can anchor probably pretty well. Like it, right. I think that's the big thing is like that that leads into and uh, 
of course that number is like an elite freak yeah, number unbelievably like. freakish but it, it leads into understanding each position has their own character traits that they need from a strength perspective and each position really has their own body types and then in turn that would lead into how do we develop that specific body type to sort of cater to these specific positions yeah. so dane a question i have since we're talking about like strength like you kind of you don't need these numbers but they tend to correlate and predict like what your athletic capability is not necessarily your sports skill yeah like just because you can squat 500 pounds doesn't mean you're a good football yeah. player yeah, yeah for sure but also too as a strength and conditioning coach like you're not coaching their football skill and technique yeah you're trying to set them up so they're athletically capable of being better football players mm-hmm. so you have like kids come in that that should be clarified literally on a regular basis one with parents but also with coaches well yeah because that's kind of the point like i'm sure you have parents coming in and they're like my kid's gonna be a d1 i want my kid to be a d1 yeah athlete first question does your kid want to be a d1 athlete? yeah <laughs> you know like things like that all right yes they are do are you gonna bring them out here five days a week because if you're not then stop talking to me yeah and you like kind of set that up and you have these like goals in mind you want to talk about some of those like numbers you want to give some of that like that. I, I think I think it's a it's a really really important discussion and it sort of falls in line with the daily inventory you were talking about where for 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 me it's like okay what is actually going to make me happy and and I think that's like a realistic question to ask these football players is is this going to make you happy to go D1 Yeah like so you if want this. if you want to be D1 if you want to be a pro football play, you have to enjoy lifting weights Yeah you have to enjoy playing football Right like practice is enjoyable like Like, it's fun for you you look forward to to going there yeah or with any sport like if you're wrestling and you're dreading going to practice it doesn't bode well yeah to be elite yeah and and i think that then it comes back to all right if we've got offensive linemen if i have an offensive lineman that comes in it's like look if you want to go d1 you know we've had a five-star o lineman recruit recruited by everybody literally everyone Shot putter too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Javen Williams was one of the biggest recruits in the country. It's like, all right, if we look at what he could do at the time, like when he left, like four fifty back squat, uh, and he's huge. He's a big kid. He's yeah. lank. He's long limb though too, yeah, right? And he's also young for his grade. That's like another big thing. Oh, so, so he was like seventeen versus yeah, eighteen, going on nineteen, going yeah. into your freshman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so looking at him, it's like, all right, we can tell you. Javen Williams could back squat 450. Javen Williams could bench press over 315. Javen Williams could power clean like 300 pounds. He could snatch close to 240. Okay, those are numbers that he did. And at the same time, he was a 65-foot shot putter. His his footwork was phenomenal. So he had clearly has athletic capability. So to take those numbers, and let's say you don't have that athleticism to make up for it, or let's say you're not a shot putter, so your footwork might not be as smooth as him. Let's say you take that and you go all right well to make up for that i might have to squat 500 pounds to be a d1 offensive lineman i might have to bench press closer to 400 pounds if i want to be a d1 offensive lineman i might have to power clean over 330 pounds if i want to be an, a d1 offensive lineman and then you can play that game and look at it and say all right well what else well maybe there's if you're training here behind the neck jerk 
you know, Javen could hit 130 for reps. You know, kilos, kilos, yeah, sorry, kilos. So then you start to you start to look at it and you establish what are those numbers for that top number, uh, that top level. Well, then, we what we call freaks here at Garage yeah, Strength, total like freaks, a freaks number. D one five star, and then you could go down. Well, Dakota Hoagland's another offensive lineman that we train that was a D two All American. All right, well, what could are D these more like your elite numbers? Well, so then it would be what did DK do before he went to college? Okay, okay. And it's like all right, he was a D two oh, yeah. guy. What do you do the before you went? Right? Yeah, the pull up, and then you go back. You go, okay, Casey Kirshner, He's a D three All American, D D end. Okay, had like thirteen sacks his senior year at Widener. What did he, what could he do before he went to the D three level? And then you can sort of lay that out. And then when you're having these discussions, it's like, all right, these are the you know you're talking about accountability partners. These are essentially the accountability numbers. And then to build and create your story this is where we have to fall in line to get to these points. And then when you get to these points, you can sort of decide like, all right, well, where is your technical play? Where's your speed in your play versus your strength? And then we can help build that out and, and lead yeah. into where you're going to be. Just for all the dreamers out there, like none of these numbers are absolute. Yeah. None of them mean uh, because you can't do this, you still you can't, can't do, do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something that it's a it's very, there. yeah, it's a very, very good way to pull yourself forward and to see like these are ideals okay you might go past the ideal and not make it happen and you might be under the ideal and make it happen and i would even argue javen's a good example of like he wasn't as strong as nick now also there you know nick singleton was probably one of the strongest high school running backs in the country at the time and if you look at it typically running backs linebackers will fulfill their strength level like potential earlier because they're not as big they you know bigger kids tend to blossom a little bit later yeah well it takes the body a little More bit longer to, to sort of how do i say it the semi-autonomous type yeah. afferent and efferent signals like yep. it's easier to communicate that when there's a shorter smaller body sending the signals yeah you know all of a sudden like you're a foot taller. That's essentially like 20% more distance of travel. Yeah, I don't care how fast it is. That makes a difference. And you might, you might not finish growing until you're 16. Whereas somebody who's only six foot might've finished growing when they're 14. Yeah. So there's a two year, like sort of right. head start yeah. on like, I know I'm learning how to use this body and this size right, and right. what goes with it. So then you establish, you go, okay, let's look at the, the positions, you know, O line, D line, Let's look at running back, linebackers, probably strong safeties, athletes in there. And then you look at wide receivers compared with, with D-backs and then quarterbacks. And you can go, all right, well, based off of this you know, pool of experience that we have here. And that stuff's kind of changing, too, a little bit. Like yeah. modern NFL, linebackers are starting to look more like what safeties look like. They're more like, like two, a taller version of Troy Polamalu. Yeah. You know, and Sean Taylor's – Sean Taylor today is like Micah Parsons. Okay. Micah Parsons – 225 220 yeah probably 225 running 4.6 4.55 and able to move but having the strength levels like you look at Palomalu he was a little shorter but he let's say if he was a little bit taller he today would be the new linebacker yeah you know whereas when he played he was more safety I still think he'd crush me if he hit me I'd break dude he would kill you yeah. imagine him and Ed I, Reed hitting you I <laughs> wouldn't Brian die Dawkins. but I'd feel it now imagine Marshawn Lynch embarrassing Ray Lewis and Ed Reed in yeah. one play. <laughs> <laughs> that little knee swivel. And we think that we can handle tackling Derrick Henry. 
I didn't say well, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I'm not yeah. naive. It would hurt. But I think that I I think that a lot of it also comes back to the strength coach has to identify what general lifts are you doing on a regular basis that can transfer. You know, so a back squat, a clean uh, for us, a behind the neck jerk, uh, a bench press, a forty, a vertical, a med ball toss. For and an it seems lineman. so straightforward. Like it's there's nothing too fancy about it, right? Like right. squat and bench. The mm. fanciest thing sounds like a clean, clean and a jumps and a jerk. Like yeah, and you got it's a variation because you're going behind the neck. Right, <laughs> right. And I think that that's you know you look at Brandon George is a good example where he. Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, so Brandon's a, a linebacker at Pittsburgh and, you know, maybe like an outside backer DN style. And you look at Brandon and it's like, okay, so Brandon's a power five linebacker DN. He could behind the neck jerk 125 in high school. He snatched 110 when he was in high school. He could clean over 155 kilos when he was in high school and he could single leg squat 170 kilos for a triple. So you can use that and you could say, you hit those numbers, it's very likely you couldn't get to that level because he was extraordinarily strong. Those he, are very good numbers. He's big too, right? Yeah, he, he's, he's a larger kid. He's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I think he would probably end up playing D-end if, if he makes it to the league. And so you can also look at that and say, well, Brandon was very much a high weight room type guy. You know, then you come back and you go, Javen was probably not the, the best in the weight room, but he made up with it with his footwork and with his speed on the field for a big dude. And then you can, you can start to identify those things. And when you see an athlete on the come up and you're like, you know, I'm actually thinking about Casey when he was, you know, a sophomore, he started to train with us by the time that sophomore in high school, college, college. Okay. But he's like, I want to become a a D three all American. By the time he was a senior, you know, we changed the what he had been focusing on. We improved certain things with his speed and with his upper body strength. And then that's how you can you can see those leaks and and those numbers, you know, and and again, these are a lot of this is stuff that we cover in garage strength program design where yeah. we go into the specific stuff. But it goes back to and I even have the sheet here, I'm looking at it. If we would look at uh, offensive lineman, it would be a back squat, a bench, a clean, a vertical jump, behind the neck jerk, and a 15-pound medicine ball toss. And then you essentially, as a coach, have to go, what's average, what's good, what's elite, what's freak? And communicate that regularly. And that's all based around like strength characteristics, both like situational and durational, yep. that have the best transfer or like sort of predictor of that sport on the field, what would go on. Yep. So... Yeah, and I think the interesting part is that you could even look at, and I like this because I, I want to pull this up on the paper where, okay, let's look at, we actually like to use the wide receiver numbers tend to be very similar to the jump base numbers if we've got somebody who's like a long jumper. Okay, so if we get somebody who's a long jumper, that individual will be almost exactly in line with how a wide receiver would train in our system. And then you can look at that and go, okay, well, in relative comparison – a jumper, or in this case, the wide receiver would be training cleans, vertical jumps, the five ten five for for the shuttle, and then they would have to get into some type of power endurance because late in the fourth quarter they need to run, you know, some type of route and not gas. Yeah. And you can actually even what's what's interesting is I just watched something with Julian Edelman and Edelman was talking about how Tom Brady used to make fun of him for squatting all the time 
And he was like, the biggest thing that Edelman would talk about was I had to be extremely fast. So doing like a 5-10-5. I had to be extremely strong. So he would clean and squat all of the time. And he's like, you know, Tom's over there doing TB12, but he's not getting in and out of cuts. And he's not getting in and out of cuts and getting rocked by a linebacker. So that's also where you have to break down, okay, the slot receiver might be different from yeah, catching the Randy a clean Moss. feels yeah. like yeah. hitting that yeah, the linebacker hit. like giving you a boom. Right. I would say the linebacker hurts more than catching a clean, but yeah, but it's still gonna help you yeah. with the absorption. You start your body starts learning how to take on blows all the time. Like I I can't I can't articulate how many times you see people it's not because they don't have the strength to stand up a clean. They don't have the like sort of firing power, the impulse yeah. to catch the clean, to create sort of the platform and the position to get out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like it's you see it when people squat super heavy too sometimes, yeah. like they just break and it's like you can't do anything with it. So so that example, you so when Jan Johnson's training here and we're get we're getting him ready right at the time to to go play for the Titans. Yeah. He, we've got to look at, all right, he's got to be extremely fast from that linebacker position. That's a behind-the-neck jerk. So that's why we call it linebacker jerks, yeah. literally. And if you don't know, linebacker jerk is you're on the blocks, you basically do the quarter squat, and from that quarter squat, you go right into the jerk. Yep. There's no, like, pick it up off the blocks, counter movement dip and go it's just you're already in the counter movement essentially yep, yep, and you yep. go right you up to go and it's and it's like i like to think of that as like the linebackers sort of scraping back and forth and they're in that stance and then they have to move they have to explode maybe they want to get a pick or something but then you you take jan and you're like all right well we have to hit a big clean down in the hole what if he meets a running back in the hole and he's got it he's got to take that blow and if you're in the bottom position of a clean and you're a linebacker, and you get folded, you're probably going to get folded like an accordion out on the field. Yeah. So you've got to have that tension and that foundation that can then provide the base to stand a heavy weight up because that's what's going to happen when you're colliding with somebody in the hole. And even on offensive linemen coming to block you, it's the same principle. And it's like none of this training really matters if you're not communicating it consistently in some effective manner towards your athletes and essentially saying – look, these are the lifts that we need to be doing on a regular basis, and then these are the numbers that you need to work towards. So what I'm hearing there is you need to educate the why. This yeah. is why we're selecting this exercise. This is what it's doing. So you're you're hitting them mentally here. Mm -hmm. Hey, so you understand when you're out on the field and you end up in this position, this is prepping you for that. Yeah. Um, when do you start doing that? I mean, I think you should be doing that by like eighth or ninth grade. Okay. I think it, the earlier you do it, the better buy-in you're going to get. How descriptive do you want to get with that? I think it's as, as simple as like, yo, I want you to move this from this position and catch it as tight as possible. Think about somebody hitting you. You know, yo, the linebacker jerks, literally that's the discussion. It's like, all right, you're in your stance, you're in your stance, you're driving up, you just see the QB come back on the slot and you need to pick. Like, it's a med and it's like making it literally that simple. Yeah, like hey, you're hand fighting with somebody. Uh, you're we're dumbbell benching or we're bench pressing right now, uh, and a lot of people say, "Oh, bench press." Well, you're laying on your back. All right. Well, I'm my clean provides my foundation, 
my bench press provides that hand fighting capability and any of the explosive work that we're doing or sports specific work that we might be doing like functional stuff whatever that's going to help me hand fight so then it's like all right well if you're a linebacker or even if i'm a running back and i'm working on grip stuff i need you to have a good grip and to be strong and to do bodybuilding exercises so you don't fumble the ball yeah you don't want to be fumbling the ball that's That's terrible Yeah, it's, it's an easy way to get off the field real <laughs> yeah, quick yeah, by giving the other team the ball. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Knock it off. Like, yeah. Stop it. Yeah. No, 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 no. Man. D1. How do you deal with the kid has the goal? Like they're a junior and like, you know, they're committed to it. What's the conversation when like it, it's not looking like it's going to happen? Like, they want to go D1, but they're, like, a D3 guy? Yeah. I think the easy part with that is, like... How do you keep them motivated, too? I think usually they're so consistent with their habits. Um, I mean, honestly, that's that sort of happened with a kid that that trained with us with Nick, J.R. Strauss, okay? And maybe I shouldn't use his name, but with J.R., like, he was getting D1 looks. Like like mid-american or like like mid-size you know a school like let's say toledo or or kent state somebody who's not power five but what ended up happening is and for a while you know he wanted potentially he was waiting to see you know franklin had told me they were thinking about offering him but they're not sure he didn't have the best camp when he came up there um at penn state and they were they were considering it but they they weren't positive and then they, he went to camp there, and they they just were like, I, I don't know, I don't think he's gonna, I don't think this is the place for him. And I think that that statement to me was like, look, this isn't the place for him, but he could either go play mid major, or he could go play at FCS, and that's okay, and he might blossom later on. And I think that that's like a a hard pill to swallow for football players because they can't see that. But a lot of football coaches now see kids make it out of one double A, you know? Yeah. So, so Jr. when he he got offered by Villanova and he plays at Villanova and they're good. Yeah. They're 18 year old kids. And yeah. Who is the running back for Philly from Villanova? Brian Westbrook. Yeah. So it's like, like it to the point with bigger athletes developing later. You may like you never know. You may get a growth spurt. Yeah. Then um, what's his name from the Packers? Matthews. Oh yeah, Clay Matthews back before yeah. he was at USC. Like no, he was. Yeah. He was at Maine. Yeah. Yeah. Like people didn't want him there, and it's like, and that's someone with pedigree too, right? right. Like his dad was good. Dad, uncle are in the yeah. league, and like his dad or I forget which one like played for two decades in the league, right. like like unbreakable type of thing, like playing the NFL more than like five years like you're put together like right. there's no joke about that so like that whole idea around delayed development you know don't I, I joke all the time but I'm dead serious like I, I always wonder what it would be like if the most exciting I don't wonder I, I'm happy the most exciting thing in your life happened at 17 oh yeah yeah, yeah. how like uh-huh. devastating that would be yep living to be like 80 or 90 and and as a kid sometimes that's hard to percept i i think that's a parenting thing and i do think there's to a point a school issue but i think that's something parents 
should be constantly reinforcing is like this is now you've got you've got a hundred years of your life you know maybe not a hundred but let's just say like take this as a lesson that's all that you're doing and that's all that we're doing right now and that's all we can build upon and that's all we can do to get better and it's and it's like constantly reinforcing that and dude i had this conversation with Haley yesterday where it's like look this is a journey right now you trying to make the olympics that it might not happen in september and it might not happen in december and it might not happen in february and it might happen in april and it might not and if you can just look at this as every single day you're waking up and you're checking your goals and you're checking what motivates you and i think that's the biggest thing with these numbers these are numbers that should be motivating you to get better and to improve. And I, I want to use this as really, really, really freaking hokey. But the, the principle of Kaizen, like the Japanese principle of just constantly trying to improve. If all we can do... The 1% a day type of yeah, thing. Yeah, like, is, is, is if just constantly every day, you know, what you did, you, you start off your day and you're like, this makes me happy. I like this. So when I get happy, I want to continue to do things that make me happy. And... Having numbers as guidelines can help kids work towards something that will in, in turn help their enjoyment of action, which is in this case, lifting or playing football, you know, and if you can work towards those long term and as a coach, just reinform, reinforce that this is a long term journey, long term process. And it really the destination isn't what, what yeah. matters like. You're That's 18. something that I still struggle with. Yeah. I mean, oh. you were calling me out on this like two days ago. Uh, all the time. Yeah. I, I thought about it when I, like personal story, when I went and wait, like when I was lifting, trying to like, oh, I want to do this. I want to set this. And like, you basically have like six lifts and like, you're going to let six lifts define your whole Who last you are. Through, like Who you are as a person. Half decade of your life of what you've been doing, like right. the people you met, the friends you made, the, the opportunities you got, the places yeah. you got to go. And it's just like, all right, step back. And yeah. it's hard because in the moment. It's easy with distance or easier. Right. Um, but like to that point, like 18-year-old kid, I didn't get D1. Like it's over. Yeah. No. What's the actual goal? Yeah. Was the goal D1 or was the goal actually like the league? Yeah. Because if the goal is the league, it's not over. Yeah, it's not All over. right, you couldn't hit the the one thirty as an eighteen year old. Maybe you blossom late and yeah. you're doing like one eighty five, or you just mature and hold yourself more accountable. Later. Yeah, like, like you don't know, and like don't cut yourself off because like the larger society says like, well, D ones who goes there like. Right. In all honesty, like NFL coaches probably don't care where you played if you can play. Yeah. If you can play. Yeah. If you can play, you're going to play. You could come off the streets and show everyone up, and they, I'm sure they would take you. Look up the story of Stephen Neal. He never played a single down of football and ended up playing like nine years for the New England Patriots. Now he was a world champion freestyle wrestler. Yeah, he was an incredible athlete. But if you understand that story and that lesson – it's enough that he never even played. He got cut by three teams. Patriots, Eagles, Patriots, Patriots resigned him. Yeah. And it, then after they cut him twice. Talking about not knowing, too. That has to do with, like, position, too. Yeah, like, yeah. where he was playing. Yeah, he like, was playing on the defense. And then finally they moved him over to offense. Uh-huh. Pierre Garçon was from, was from Mount Union. Yeah, Pierre yeah. Garçon was somebody who, you know, pro bowler who played at Mount Union. D3. Uh, all right. We got to go uh, 
Overrated, underrated. Okay. And then audience questions All after right. the either or. Cossack squats, overrated, underrated. Underrated. Like, the Cossack squat to me is one of the fastest ways to improve mobility, and I would argue even here, there is a fairly large amount of research or data that would show that specific you know movement patterns and that are resistance trained can increase and imprint more uh elastic positions and i think that the caustic squat is one of those that ankle mobility hip mobility now you've got a scale if you can't get to that point right away but you do them and, sh- and if you can work through them over a long period of time they're amazing. this is one area earl always feels bad I've never had yeah, a Cossack squat mobility issue. And yeah. I'm like, why can't people do this? And yeah. it's just like, I don't know the struggle. And, I, and I'm and i just like, no, you just do it like this. Like, yeah, you need to No. And it's funny, like, uh, my son has the same mobility. Like, yeah. it's just like, uh, all right, let's start doing them so you're not Gumby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Next one. Overrated, underrated. Curtsy squats. thinking about this one overrated or underrated i i mean i feel like i guess my problem with curtsy squats is that i i don't dislike them but i feel like there's other ways that i've always felt better now i do think they're good for your glute med i think you'll feel it in your adductor but i would rather hit my adductor with a banded sliding caustic squat i would rather hit my glute med with something on the glute ham so i would say it's it's overrated overrated yeah all right um overrated underrated box step ups underrated i loved actually jason probably has nightmares potentially thinking about step ups from back in the day and i would even say we don't use them enough here at garage strength i think they are one of the most challenging exercises that you can do over a long period of time uh, and they will also blow up your quads and i actually think it helps a lot of people with their jumping ability all right i've two yeah. I would load it at like Jason just asked how much you would load it. Fifty to seventy percent of a back squat. Man, you are brutal. How high is that box you're stepping on? Fourteen inches. Oh, okay. That doesn't feel as awful. Maybe sixteen. I'm thinking like a twenty inch box stepping up no, that high. I'm like, later. I wanna yeah, die. I would go later. Do you only program like forward or do you do lateral too? Like, you can do lateral. I think forward is where you would get the more weight. So wh- it depends on where you're at as far as periodization, like and this is something that you guys can find out if you if you sign up for our online virtual strength coaches summit that's going down October 7th where we're going to have four sessions of 45 minutes plus Q&A with myself and Ferris Khan aka brother Ferris on Instagram. Very nice. I'm excited about that. It should be cool. It's going to be cool. Yeah. Man. All right. Have you ever done a loaded box step up stepping backwards no that's stupid oh my goodness i'm I sure wanna, it's a great like you i want to try it now quad pump i'm curious how you could do it and make it safe maybe like would you need to like do it more like a slant like up a grade versus a box yeah probably or just like honestly i would do it with like a smith machine Okay. Yeah, I would do it with the Smith Smith machine. You love the Smith machine. Yeah, I do. I remember that video when you were like traveling and you were just Dude, doing all the Jason. We have the, like three all the weird Smith machines squat movements on the Smith machine, yeah. and you like came back and you're like, I want one. Yeah, I still want one. Uh, maybe one day I'll have one. 
made me laugh. <laughs> that was made million. me laugh. All right, either or. Jason is going to love this one. It's probably not his favorite. Brock Lesnar or The Undertaker? Ooh. Well, like, are we doing Brock Lesnar in WWE or, like, his life? You you decide either or here. I I would go with The Undertaker just because I've always enjoyed his character, and I've always thought Lesnar was sort of a tool. Well, And I saw Lesnar get his ass beat, ironically, by Stephen Neal. <laughs> totally got his ass beat. Wrestling there. Yeah. Undertaker's... I, the fact that you thought about it made me want to like throw something at you that you didn't just say the Undertaker like <laughs> hesitation. That's funny. Um, if you want to see like an athletic big dude, yeah, Jason's like over here smiling real big. Let's get him an Undertaker T-shirt. Oh, he would love that. I remember the first time I watched the Undertaker Shawn Michaels match from the, and I was just like, I immediately. Went back to the beginning, and I was like, Julie, you have to watch this. And she started watching, and she's like, gets done. She's like, that was incredible. Yeah. And, like, it's – and we're talking someone who wants nothing to do with, like, with professional that type of entertainment. Yeah. yeah. And was just, like, hooked on it. And then they did it again. And it's just, like, yeah, it, that type of storytelling and, like, the, I guess too, if you're into wrestling, like hit, the Undertaker's professionalism is like kind of through the roof as well. What do you think would prevent someone like him or The Rock, you know, from actually playing like professional football? Prevent him, um, or even Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, I, I think, didn't have the footwork, right? Yeah, and he, the skill. He wasn't yeah, skillful. Just, um, I think they're more like raw athlete, where like physically, what I would call like athletic, versus like. Um, technical athletes at times and i don't mean that in a bad way where wrestling has sort of open like wrestling as entertainment has open skill things it's also very highly rehearsed yeah so, so there's very like a close skill yeah part you can to get it. better at it so much easier there's, yeah you don't have to be super fluid right and I, i'm not saying like it's not there but like you, you have to be fluid for sure but like when you're practicing sequences, it makes it you're chunking a yeah. very complex and you're working in tandem with someone. Yeah. Like you're not really competing with the opponent, if you will. Mm -hmm. You're more storytelling and like going through a routine with them, but you're more like a musician. Yeah. yeah. And you're a jazz musician. You so you off each other. You know how to like all right, we did this tonal shift. All right, I know yeah. what I have to do now. Yeah. I think that's a good way to describe it, actually, is, is exactly like that, because it is an art. All right. We need to do the audience questions. Okay. This is Discord. Join it. We're yeah. over a K now, I think, in there. Uh, we're 15 away. 15 away. Get us over 1,000. Why does Dane promote suicide grip on bench press? I don't promote it. I just do it myself. I don't think I've ever promoted that in a <laughs> yeah. single video. Like. I just do it myself. Yeah. I don't think it's safe. I should not do it. I, You know what's funny? I was actually bench pressing today, spotting myself. Jake, So I benched 165 for triple, and Jake's like, you 165 sure? kilos? Yeah. All right. He's was... like, are you sure you need? You don't need a spot? I'm like, nah, I'll be okay. And I had the hook or the, the suicide on, and I'm like taking it off. I was like, I probably shouldn't do this without a, without a spotter. I should probably... I should have my thumb underneath. I just, I just, I don't know. I'm sorry. 
live fast, die young type of thing. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Why do I go for runs on 222? It's the same, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. And I just think about something like that uh, when you're like, you don't promote it, you don't say it, but you like passively or like, yeah, yeah, st- because it. especially it's like an individual medium. Yeah. It's communicating. Yes, yes I, do. I do. It. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, uh, what does it say? Uh, like from a political standpoint, like silence is, it yeah. is politics. Yeah, it's yeah. acceptance of the status quo. Like yeah. you're you're reinforcing it by not challenging it. Yeah. If you're saying it's okay. No, that's anyway. Fair. That's fair. Um this is the Reddit. Eric J eight oh five. Just saw today's video about soccer players and it recommended hitting Nordics twice a week. I'm already using peak strength with the five day variation. Can I add Nordics on any particular day or just stick to what has already been programmed? I would stick to what's been programmed, but if you really feel like you could benefit from more posterior chain work, especially hamstrings, I would add that on an impulse day probably. Yeah. I, me personally, I couldn't imagine having the hamstring recovery yeah, to do it that. twice a week, except when I was like at peak yeah. training type of thing. It's just, it destroys me. Yeah, that's. I, I think I'm also forty too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's a a discussion where it's like peak strength is laid out, especially for soccer, in a in a periodized manner that everything's going to feed off off of everything, and it's laid out so that you theoretically should be fine not having to hit the Nordics all the time. Now, if you feel as though like after you watch the video, and you're like, well, this video it sort of says otherwise. I get it. Try Go substitute it, it in, yeah. right? Uh, you can do exercise replacement on the impulse day. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's all we got. All right. So if you guys want to join that, Matt, edit this part, Jason. If you guys want to have more information about our on, if you guys want more information about our online virtual seminar, head over to garagefrank.com and check out that seminar. It's going to be four different sessions with myself and Ferris Khan. And we're also going to go in depth with progressions, specific loading, group training, and even we're going to learn from Ferris and what he does with his crazy high speed movements. Check that out at garagestrength.com. Until next time, peace. <laughs>